Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Hey, guys. So this is actually a very special episode, and the reason it's special is because it is going to be my last episode for the first season of this show. I'm not going to take a break in between, and really, these seasons mean absolutely nothing, but they are actually sorted with episode numbers and season numbers, and I determined that each year would just be a different season. So when I say it's going to be the last one of season one, I mean that I am coming up on a full year Of doing this podcast now. So, because of that, I'm talking about a very special movie. And it's one that happens to be one of my all time favorite movies, and that is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And I think that it's perfect that this will be the last movie that I talk about for this season or this year of the podcast, and also the last of this month, because those who have been following know that I've been talking about similar movies over the last few weeks to this movie. And they're all movies about guys who are kind of lonely or awkward guys living unfulfilling lives, once again, finding purpose in life in some way or another. And a lot of them are lonely or awkward or are coping in unhealthy ways due to heartbreak and loss and grief and a number of other things. So I think these movies connect on those themes despite having unique characters from each other and telling very unique stories. Theodore, for example, from the movie Her, which I talked about at the start of the month, is going through a very long and painful divorce and has to find ways to cope with the void he has in his life from, to him, losing the love of his life. And then you have Lars, who dealt with the loss of his mother when he was born, as a matter of fact. And because of that, he has this fear of loss and has been coping his entire life with it. And once again, find something that's not real, kind of like Theodore, find something that's not real to fill that void of loneliness in his life. And then you have Walter in this movie, who I'm going to talk a little bit more about. But once again, he is a character that is dealing with loss and these feelings of loneliness and feeling unfulfilled with where he's at in life. And he copes in different ways as well that are kind of more entertaining to the general audience watching the movie. But all characters are coping to some extent, and that's the reason that they are the way they are. And so I thought that these movies, while telling unique stories and the characters being unique from each other, they are all sharing similar internal struggles. And as a result, they are all living unfulfilling lives and feeling some sense of loneliness or grief. But I've been building up to this for the full month, and I think it works out perfect that this will be my last episode for the first full year of this podcast. And I'm also excited because I have a ton of friends I know who love this movie just like I do. And that's the first thing I wanted to talk about here. I'm hoping to go a little bit more in depth on this throughout the episode, but this is a movie that when it came out, it got very mixed reviews from critics. There are actually some critic reviews that I went back to read and they are so mean-spirited and unfair. And at times I feel like they watched a completely different movie than me. I remember one review in particular who had described this movie as a vanity project for Ben Stiller, who not only stars in this movie, but he is also the director of this movie. 
But they had said that they don't really know who the movie's for other than a bunch of 50-year-old men who are living unfulfilling and boring lives. It was just something to the effect that this movie's for middle-aged dudes who peaked years ago, implying that Ben Stiller is one of those dudes, that his best days were behind him, and he made this vanity project to connect with other guys like him. But what's crazy about that is the fact that I love this movie, and this movie came out when I was a teenager, and I'll talk more about that later as to where I was at in my life when this movie came out. But something I find so interesting is that every single person I've ever met that has seen this movie loves this movie. And I'm talking people my age, people that were teenagers when this movie came out. They were in high school or maybe had just graduated high school. Maybe they were in their early college years. But a lot of friends that I have that love this movie were around the same age as me when this came out. And so I think it's funny that this critic made a review saying, oh, this is for a bunch of 50-year-old burnouts when it actually personally connected and inspired so many dudes my age. And there are plenty of women who love this movie as well, but that's another thing about this is 90% of the people I have met that love this movie are guys around my age. And so I think that's really interesting that Ben Stiller made a movie that connected with the younger generation so much that it got really mixed reception from critics, largely anywhere from 30 to 60 years old reviewing the movie, but the younger audience really loved it. And I'm not saying this movie is just for young people, but I think it's kind of fascinating that it is this movie about overcoming fear and taking a leap into the unknown and being adventurous and courageous. I think it's kind of cool how that inspired so many people at a young age. That's a very impressionable age group, but I just find it fascinating that Ben Stiller, of all people, is able to make a movie that connected with that age group the way The Secret Life of Walter Mitty did. And this is anecdotal, of course, because I don't have the actual percentages as far as, oh, people in this age range love this movie. People in this age range did not like this movie. I'm speaking on my own personal experience that a majority of the guys that I've met that have seen this movie love this movie. And I know a few girls that love it as well, but they're all my age, give or take a few years. So we were all more or less high school, college age kids when this came out. I think that's really interesting. And I do think that the reason this connects is because at that age, you aren't entirely sure what you want to do with your life, but you are dreaming big. And this was a movie where instead of dreaming, he starts to actually live. Anyway, I rewatched this yesterday before I talked about it because I always love to refresh myself on a movie before going in great detail on it so that I don't miss a ton of details. And seeing as this is a movie I really love, I'll try to keep this episode shorter so that I'm not taking up too much time on this one. I also have a very strict schedule to adhere to, so I can only record for so long today anyway. But this movie opens with... Ben Stiller's character, Walter Mitty, sitting in his apartment, and he is on eHarmony.com, and there's a specific profile that he is staring at, and it is the profile of Cheryl Melhoff, who you find out works at his office. He works at Life Magazine in the Negative Asset Management Department, I believe is the proper title for his position. But she's a woman that recently started working at his office and he's kind of into her, but is too afraid to ask her out or talk to her or anything like that. So he saw that she was on eHarmony 
and he's fighting himself whether or not to shoot a wink over to her on eHarmony. And then when he tries to do it, it doesn't work. And when he talks to the account support, it's because his profile is far from complete. His been there, done that area is blank. And pretty much anything else you would fill out on a bio for a dating app is just not there. And so that's the main reason his profile's not working. And that establishes right away that this is a guy who has lived a pretty dull and boring life. But even while he's on this phone call, you see him zone out and there's this big action sequence of him rescuing a dog from a burning building and it's Cheryl's dog that he's rescuing. And it's a pretty funny scene. All of his daydream scenes are super funny and over the top. But that's the thing is Walter Mitty is constantly zoning out and daydreaming. And in all these daydreams, of course, he is the hero of these grand adventures or these really cool or interesting expeditions. And as I said, these scenes are always funny to watch, but it does show that this is a guy that lives a boring life, but he deep down wants to be something more than that. He feels unfulfilled. He feels a little bit empty if he's constantly imagining himself as being greater than what he is. But anyway, you see him go to his job and you find out that their job is downsizing. And the reason is because they are a magazine, but they are about to become solely an online platform where they will no longer be distributing the magazine itself. Therefore, they're looking to downsize and lay off a ton of people, all quote unquote, non-essential workers. And that's a big thing at play in this movie. And the guy who's actually overseeing the downsizing is played by Adam Scott, who I think was perfectly cast for this role. There's nobody better at playing a total jerk in a movie than Adam Scott, especially for a comedy movie. He might honestly be my favorite part of the movie Step Brothers. As funny as that movie is, his character, Derek, is so funny. And then in this movie, he plays Ted Hendricks, who, as I said, is overseeing this big change at Life Magazine. And he kind of plays the same character in Secret Life of Walter Mitty that he plays in Step Brothers. But again, it is super funny. He's so mean to Walter at times where, of course, it makes you a bit sad. But some of the stuff that he says is so hilarious. I shouldn't laugh at a bully character in a movie, but he is one of the funnier movie bullies out there. There's a moment where Walter is staring at Cheryl and he zones out as he always does. And it cuts over to Adam Scott, who's with two of the other guys in the upper management at their company. And he's talking about throwing something at Walter. And this other guy goes, one time I threw a toner box at him. And Adam Scott just goes, yeah, what happened? The guy goes, no, nothing I missed. And then he just goes, that's a great story. (laughs) There's just a ton of lines like that that crack me up. And then there's a point where they're having their big meeting where they're talking about downsizing. And Walter walks in late in the middle of the meeting and everyone kind of stops for a second and Adam just shakes his head and just goes, I guess just start from the beginning. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I don't know. He's just super funny throughout the movie. Total jerk, but he's great at playing that role, as I said. But anyway, this is going to be their last magazine cover. And there's a guy who's been providing them photos for their magazine for years. And his name is Sean O'Connell. He's this legendary photographer that nobody even really knows what he looks like. They don't have an address for him. The guy just travels the world and takes these crazy pictures and does this insane stuff. 
And he's corresponded back and forth with Walter for all these years because Walter is in charge of the film prints that he sends in. And so they've corresponded for years and they have sort of a friendship even though they haven't ever really met each other. But Sean sends in these photos and says that print number, say 25, I don't remember the exact number, but he said it is his best work and that's the one he wants as the cover for the magazine. And seeing as it's going to be the very last issue ever, it's kind of important that they have it. But the photo is missing and they can't find it anywhere, which leads Walter to finally talking to Cheryl, who in some way or another, I don't remember if she works in the mailing department or what, but she has some ability to help Walter track down where Sean O'Connell might be. And I got to say, Walter interacting with Cheryl is super funny as well. Cheryl is played by Kristen Wiig, who is great in pretty much everything outside of Wonder Woman 1984. But outside of that, she's really good in just about everything that she's in. She's able to be good as a dramatic actress. She is able to play a weird comedic role really well. I think she's got decent range. And I shouldn't have taken that Wonder Woman 1984 dig. She's not even that bad in the movie. She's just miscast. It's not really her fault. I blame the director of that movie for that. But anyway, her and Walter's interactions are funny, but Walter still zones out from time to time when they're talking and imagines some really funny stuff. When they find out, though, based on the photos that they're looking through, because they're trying to find some clues as to where Sean O'Connell might be so they can track him down and figure out where this photo is... But it turns out that the most likely place that he is, is in Greenland. And Walter's like, huh, yeah, maybe I'll just hop on a flight to Greenland. And he's saying it sarcastically, but Cheryl's like, hey, why not? It would be an adventure. But Walter's not really planning on doing it. And you have this other scene around that time where Walter's talking with his mom and his sister, and they find some old stuff of Walter's. They find this old backpack because he was apparently going to backpack Europe in his younger years. But then his father passed away and he never went on that trip. And then he has this travel journal that's completely empty. So you know right away that Walter at some point in his life wanted to travel the world and do all this crazy stuff. And you can tell that the death of his father impacted him in some way or another. And to me, that is the ultimate thing that impacted him was losing his father and sort of becoming the man of the house, taking on more responsibility at a young age than he probably would have wanted. Because they talk about how he immediately got a job after his father passed away. And that's something that can really cripple a young man is having to support his family or be that person due to the loss of a parental figure. But that's a big reason Walter is the way he is, is because he had these big dreams. He lost his father and it personally affected him in a lot of ways, and it threw off the trajectory of his life. He was then a guy who was always balancing the checkbook and just working a job that was a good-paying job, but he never really got to do any of the big things he dreamed of doing, and now he's at an age where he maybe feels a little too old to even have those dreams anymore, so instead he just daydreams all the time. But anyway... Once they determine that they cannot locate where this print is from Sean O'Connell, Walter ends up looking at this picture of Sean. So I guess they do know what he looks like. They've just never really formally met or hung around. But when he's looking at this picture of Sean O'Connell, it sort of becomes this live photograph and it's kind of beckoning him to come on this great adventure. 
And then you see Walter running out of his workplace. And that's another thing I love. I love the credits in this movie and the editing in this movie. I think the way the opening credits are presented is really, really clever. And then this scene in particular, I love it because you're seeing the motto of the magazine that Walter works at. And it's slowly appearing in all these places as he's running. And it says, to see the world, things dangerous to come to, to see behind walls, draw closer, to find each other and to feel, that is the purpose of life. And while he's running, the song Wake Up by Arcade Fire is playing. And gosh, it's just a beautiful moment in the movie because it's really the first time in his lifetime that he's actually going on some sort of an adventure. And even though he's still this kind of timid guy, he's a little bit scared, he's going anyway, partially because it's his job, but also because he's drawn to it for some reason or another. But yeah, I mentioned the Arcade Fire song, which is great. And that's one thing I'll say about this movie is that it has a really, really great soundtrack. I remember when the trailer to the movie first dropped and it had the Of Monsters and Men song in it. And I believe that song is also in the movie. They for sure have a song by them in the movie. I just don't remember if it's the same one from the trailer. But I was a big fan of of Monsters and Men at the time. And it was at a point in my life where a movie like this was just so inspiring to me. You know, it had music in it that I really liked. I thought the character was funny, even if I didn't feel his personality was like mine. I thought that some of his struggles, some of his fears were similar. Because honestly, a lot of us feel scared about life in some way or another and are afraid to take risks. And those that know me really well will probably know that I'm not lying when I say that I am one of the biggest risk takers on the planet these days. I am a total gambler. I don't actually gamble because that's just dumb. But I'm a guy that has taken a lot of bets on myself and I've made drastic life changes over time because my whole thing was, hey, if it works out, then that would be amazing. If it doesn't work out, then it's worth it for the experience of failing. And I think at the point in my life where this came out, I was not the type of guy to do something if there was a high risk of failure. And I don't know if this movie exactly is what changed me on that, but I think it definitely had an influence, whether consciously or subconsciously, I think it influenced the way that I've lived my life since. Anyway, when Walter gets to Greenland, he does come across a guy who's really rugged and drunk, but he more or less knows where Walter can maybe find Sean O'Connell as because he's flying his helicopter to drop off parts to this boat that Sean O'Connell was on. And the idea of hopping in this tiny helicopter with this very big drunk man is kind of scary to Walter, and he tells the guy that he's not going with him. So the guy is leaving in the helicopter, and then at this bar that Walter's at, it's a karaoke bar, he starts to imagine Cheryl, Kristen Wiig's character, singing Space Oddity by David Bowie, which is funny because earlier in the movie, it's when he's zoned out, Adam Scott's character, when he throws the thing at him, he's like, hey, ground control to Major Tom come in Major Tom. And Cheryl later tells Walter, hey, don't even worry about those guys. They're being dumb. That song is about being courageous and taking a leap into the unknown. It's a really cool song. And so in this moment that Walter is too scared to hop on this helicopter with this drunk guy that's about to go through a storm across the ocean, he starts to imagine Cheryl singing Space Oddity by David Bowie. 
And the song ends up transitioning into David Bowie's Space Oddity altogether. But at first, it's her singing. And by the way, she has a very, very lovely singing voice. But you then see as he runs out and then literally takes a leap into this helicopter, literally jumping into the unknown, which he again does a couple minutes after this. But from that point forward in the movie, he doesn't daydream. And it's because instead of imagining a life better than what he has or imagining these adventures, he is finally going on these adventures himself. And another thing that I really love is that throughout this adventure that he goes on, you see as he slowly lets go of something on his own person. Like he loses his briefcase first, and then he loses his clothes and ends up changing into different clothes. And then he has this toy, this Stretch Armstrong toy from his sister that he ends up giving away. So all of this stuff that is personally attached to him, he starts to get rid of. And so he's shedding these layers of grief throughout the movie. It's kind of symbolic of that as he's going on this big adventure. And look, does the grieving process go that simply for everybody? No, of course not. But I do think that it is beautifully done in this movie. And the more you find out, the more you know that, yes, his father's passing absolutely had everything to do with him turning out the way that he is. But you're starting to see this different side of Walter as he's on this adventure, this more courageous and honestly, the word would be cool side of him. You even find out that in his early years, he had a mohawk and he was this skater. And so he was nothing like the guy that's been working at Life Magazine for all these years. There's this much more adventurous and interesting person than the person that he's been for all these years. And it's because, yeah, he was so broken up about his father. He had to take on a bigger responsibility in the family after the loss of his father, and it took a mental toll on him. But this movie is about him finally breaking free from that, him finally coming to terms with all of that, and once again, being an adventurer and being courageous and living free like he had imagined in his youth. So I have a bunch of notes that I made while I was watching this, and I haven't really talked about a majority of those because I just got off talking about this movie, and I feel that me talking about it more naturally as opposed to it being scripted or anything like that has actually been a lot better for me. But I'll talk about a few other things that I love about this film. So first of all, I do love Ben Stiller as an actor, and I think he gives a good performance in this movie. I think this movie can be very funny, but it's never trying to be a slapstick comedy at any point. More than anything, it's an adventure comedy, and there is a little bit of rom-com to it, for sure, because of Walter and Cheryl's relationship, but more than anything, it is a grand adventure movie with some elements of comedy and some elements of romance. And so I appreciate the comedy. I think Ben Stiller has made some really funny movies, like Zoolander, for example, and I think it shows a lot of restraint for him to have made this film without including some outrageous comic sketches or anything like that throughout the movie, where it does feel more personal from him. It feels like he tried to make a sincere movie about grief, about fear, and overcoming that and just truly living. So I appreciate that from him, that he made every effort to make a sincere movie out of this. And I think that the soundtrack has a lot of personality as well, and it brings a lot of personality to the movie. And it complements the score really well also, which yes, this movie has a very good original score. It's a little bit subtle, but I think it works really well. 
And then lastly, maybe not lastly, but the main thing that I'm thinking about right now is the cinematography for this movie. It doesn't really get talked about a ton, but it is a beautiful looking movie. Some really, really exceptional direction, of course, but man, it's pretty to look at. It helps that they shoot in some very beautiful locations, but I've seen movies in beautiful locations where the color is very flat and it doesn't capture the beauty of the environment or you never get a wide shot of the area. But there are a few scenes in this movie where you can really see how beautiful the area is that they shot in. I love the scene where he is longboarding. I think he's in Iceland at this point, but he's longboarding down this highway road. And it's a fun scene, first of all. But when it cuts out to the wide shot of him, you can see how beautiful the area is that they shot it in. So yeah, I really love the cinematography for this movie. And I think it's both credit to Ben Stiller, the director, and then the cinematographer of the movie, whose name is Stuart Dryberg. A cinematographer that honestly, I've seen some of his movies and I've never been that blown away by any of them. But there are quite a few on his list that I have not seen. So I'll be fair to him and say that he's probably a good cinematographer. But yeah, this episode was special for me because I really, really love The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. As I said, it feels sincere. It feels personal. It can be funny. And I love that about it. The daydream sequences are hilarious, of course. Adam Scott is so funny in this movie. And there are a few funny scenarios that Walter finds himself in the middle of. I love the soundtrack. I love the original score. I love the cinematography. So from a direction standpoint, from a presentation standpoint, they absolutely nail it. And I think they tell a really beautiful story and they created a character that I really cared about and that I really connected to. I saw something recently. It was people debating with something Martin Scorsese had said because he once again trashed on comic book movies, which by the way, he's right. I could go into more detail as to why he's right. But I'll just say that his entire point is about how people are making studios slop more than anything right now. And that's most prevalent in comic book movies. You aren't seeing personal stories from directors with a distinct point of view and a distinct style. And his argument was that you should support movies like that. And there was some guy who's just a doofus, John Campia. He's a doofus. But he had said that, hey, a lot more people can connect with a show like Ms. Marvel, where it's about a young girl trying to find her place in the world. And she has superpowers on the side, of course, but she's trying to find her place in the world. A lot more people can connect with that than can connect with The Wolf of Wall Street, which is about a billionaire being busted by the feds. And first of all, I had a friend that replied, speak for yourself, broke boy. (laughs) But also, I don't think you have to relate to a character. You don't have to be exactly in their shoes. You have to understand a character. And the case of Jordan Belfort, by the way, I think a lot of people can relate to never feeling like they have enough, to chasing the dream of having a ton of money. Yes, maybe you've never had the amount of money that Jordan Belfort once had, and he's still pretty rich, by the way. But at the same time, I think we've all, to some extent, or many of us have experienced the feeling of wanting more, of nothing ever quite being enough. You always want more. And that's a very big part of The Wolf of Wall Street. So you don't have to relate exactly to somebody's experiences in order to connect with a character. And I'm not saying you should relate to Jordan Belfort, but you can maybe connect with a few things that his character is struggling with in the movie where even though it's almost glamorized in The Wolf of Wall Street, they are character flaws. And a lot of us may have similar character flaws. And 
all you have to do is understand a character. And in the case of Secret Life of Walter Mitty, yes, I did not lose my father at a young age. He's still alive and well, as far as I know. Last I checked was a few hours ago. But I may not be able to relate to that, but I think a lot of people can connect with the fear of the unknown. That's something almost everybody is afraid of. And so a movie where a guy who seems so afraid and so awkward going on this grand adventure and finding his purpose in life, I think is something a lot of people can really connect with. And I think that's why it connected to me so much as a young man. And it still connects to me now because there's really no age limit on fear and really no age limit on wanting to dream big and live your life fully. Just a lot of people are afraid to do it. So I really love this movie. I love the character Walter Mitty in this film, and I'm glad I was able to talk about it for this episode. So I know I went into a lot of spoilery details, but the reason I did is because most people I know have actually seen this movie, and so I don't feel I was actually spoiling the movie for anyone that was tuning in. But if you haven't seen it, then I would strongly, strongly recommend The Secret Life of Walter Mitty because as I said, it is one of my all-time favorite movies. I think it is terrific despite critics being split on it when it came out, I think it was able to find a home. And I think a lot of people really appreciate the movie for similar reasons that I do. So that's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Next month is a very special month because it is the month of October, where I can talk about some of my favorite movies yet again. And those movies, of course, are slasher movies, which I've already started to watch some of the few slashers that I have not seen. And I think I'm in for torture because I kind of forget how bad some of these are until I watch them. Because in concept, I'm always thinking, yeah, this will be great. It's Michael Myers killing a bunch of people. That's going to be a ton of fun. And then you watch one of the Halloween movies, one of the bad ones, and he doesn't kill anybody for like a whole hour of an hour and 40 minute movie. And in my head, I'm thinking, how do you screw that up? as the director of this movie, or I watched one last night. I'm not going to tell you which one it is yet because I'll probably talk about it later, but there was like no suspense. And I'm thinking, how can you not have suspense in a movie where there's a guy murdering people and people are on the run from this guy murdering people? How do I feel no suspense there? You screwed up. But anyway, that's going to be the next month. So you will not want to miss that for sure. And my next episode, if all goes according to plan, should be The Creator which is Gareth Edwards' new sci-fi original film starring John David Washington. I am very excited for this movie. I've heard amazing things, and I can't wait to talk all about it. In the meantime, please be sure to give me a follow on whatever you are streaming on right now, and also give me a follow on Instagram for updates on this podcast. You can find it under the username at vitamin C pod. And like I said, you'll get updates both on this podcast and on the movie business in general. So you'll definitely want to be following me there. Again, I thank you guys for tuning in. I'm looking forward to another great year on this podcast. You will hear from me again next week.